Bonjour et bienvenue. Hello and welcome to City Breaks Toulouse, Episode 1, Introduction. Introduction to La Ville Rose, the pink town, that lovely sunny southern French city, which often comes top in the polls when you ask French people themselves which city they'd most like to live in. Why would that be? Well, here's an explanation from Mort Rosenblum, who wrote the wonderfully titled book A Goose in Toulouse, which is a sort of travel and cook guide to France. And this is what he wrote about Toulouse. Quote, For starters, La Ville Rose is lively and beautiful. When sunlight sets fire to the salmon-hued bricks, it is even stunning. People gather on the grass by the arched Pont Neuf, as in Paris, much older than its name suggests. The Place du Capitole, a tile and cobblestoned esplanade, throbs with music, markets and meandering in any weather. Cafés and cabarets are jam-solid with university students. So there you are, some reasons to visit Toulouse. The weather, the beauty, the feel-good vibe. To set the context geographically a little bit, southwest France, of course, halfway between the Atlantic and the Mediterranean, or to put it a different way, halfway from the Pyrenees mountains to the sea. Traditionally in the region called Languedoc-Roussillon, but actually since 2016 when the regions were altered, it's now part of, or capital of actually, the super region known as Occitanie. Thinking about how Toulouse fits into the area, close to more than 200 kilometres of coast, so lots of seafood in the restaurants, fishing villages not too far away, beaches, the Pyrenees to the west. Its situation has always made it an important city, right back to pre-Roman days, if you were travelling let's say from Italy to Spain, then you would pass through the site of modern-day Toulouse. In medieval times, that made it on the route to Santiago de Compostela, if you set out, let's say, from Rome, a journey many pilgrims made. And so people came to Toulouse, they stopped off, sometimes they stayed much longer than they'd intended to, they brought trade, they brought new ideas. Its proximity to Spain is important too, that'll come up in certain periods of history that we'll discuss in future episodes. And just to sum up the area, here's Rupert Wright in his book Notes from the Languedoc, in which he describes it as, quote, a land of castles and heretics, vineyards and scented hillsides, boar hunts and bullfights, canals and oyster beds, flamingos and sandy beaches. Okay, so that gives you a picture of the area in which it's set. Let's think about the city itself, which sits astride the river Garonne. That's the river that goes off to Bordeaux, of course, and the Atlantic. And Toulouse, I think you could say, is a transport hub. I've seen it described as a nœud ferroviaire, so a a railway hub. So it's easy to get to from many different parts of France. Perhaps one of the main features of the city would be the river. The riverside is pedestrianised, unlike in many other cities. So it's a place that people choose to stroll and to linger, very much part of the city. And while you're down there, you're bound to notice the Pont Neuf, a bridge dating from the 1630s. It's a habit in France that the Pont Neuf is quite often the oldest bridge in the city, as in Paris as well, of course. There were bridges before the 1630s on this site, but it's a very wide part of the river, a difficult place to build a bridge, and none of those lasted. But this one is a marvel of engineering. A couple of hundred years after it was built, in 1875, there were terrible floods which took down three other newer bridges But this one, the Pont Neuf, stayed put. So it's very much a feature of the city. You see it on lots of postcards and so on. Another feature of the city is its old architecture, particularly something called the Maison Particulier, which are in the old town. 
red-bricked mansions which date from the 15th and 16th century, a period, as we'll see in a minute, where people of Toulouse became quite wealthy thanks to the woad boom. They discovered woad and what it could do for them and began to export it. So money was made and the people who'd done best out of it started to build themselves rather posh houses so that everybody would know how well they'd done. Red brick houses, red brick mansions if you prefer, but often with stone facades decorated with carvings and pillars. If you go, for example, to the Rue de la Dolbade, you'll see quite a few of them. As for the centre of the city, absolutely definitely no question, one place only, and that's the Place du Capitole, Capitole Square. A large square fronted by a magnificent pink columned facade, the Capitole Building. That's the view of Toulouse, really, that you'll see on postcards and websites. It's on a site where previous buildings were, the buildings from which the city was governed, but they were a higgledy-piggledy collection, and in the 1750s it was decided to bring some grandeur and gravitas to the city, build this unifying facade with its eight marble columns, which represented the eight capitoles who ruled the city, and decorate it with classical sculptures. Definitely a sight to behold. Today it houses a lot of administration departments. It's the place where you'd get married, it's the town hall. In other cities, of course, the town hall is called La Mairie, but in Toulouse, it's the Capitole. It's also a tourist site. If there's not a wedding on, you can go inside. Some of the magnificent public rooms are open. You can have a look round at the artwork, much of which was specially commissioned to show off the things that they were proudest of in the city. Outside in the square, very much the central feature of the city, place that you crisscross to get from anywhere to practically anywhere else, often a site of markets, of concerts, of demonstrations, of political rallies. It's the place, for example, where President Mitterrand ended his campaign in the 1980s. He had what he called his grand meeting, his big meeting, there in this rather left-leaning city where he knew he'd be very welcome. The old town fans out really from the Place du Capitole. If you go north from there, you get to the University Quarter and the city's best-known church, the Basilique Saint-Sernin. South and west is more medieval Toulouse. And then the business hotel shops area is more off to the east. People, of course, have been visiting Toulouse over the centuries. Here are a couple of readings from such people, the first one being Henry Swinburne, an essay of his, written in 1783, from a book called A Journey from Bayonne to Marseille, so right across southern France, from west to east. He wrote, The circumference of the city is about four miles. Its streets are roomy and houses well constructed. Some of them are grand and spacious. So far, so good. In fact, he didn't like everything he saw, because then he goes on to write, quote, But there is a gloominess in the colour of the brick with which they are built, and a want of motion in the streets that casts a damp upon my spirits and excites ideas of misery. Oh dear, I can't imagine when he can have gone to find it gloomy and miserable. Those are the adjectives which, for me, are absolutely the opposite of the city centre. But anyway, that's what he had to say. Writing in the 1860s, one Pierre Gamara wrote about Toulouse as follows, quote, he's describing a traveller just arriving there, quote, the large city was spread out before him and around him with its low brick houses, its old quarters, its cobbled streets, its churches and its noblemen's houses. So again, he very much liked what he saw, but he couldn't resist pointing out that it was also a city of contrasts he talks about the lovely towers of Saint-Sernin and the Dolbad pointing to the sky, but says too that actually at their feet lay d'ignobles taudis, so shabby little hovels. 
What you can say about today's Toulouse is it is a very nice city to be in. In the guidebook, I found out that there are 150 parks and plazas, 160,000 trees, 400,000 flowers. I'd love to know who counted them all. Let us give you the atmosphere. It's a city that looks after its appearance. And just the last quote in the 20th century one, here's Mort Rosenblum in his Goose in Toulouse saying that, quote, There is something singular about the lovely old capital of Languedoc, with its pink hues and grand parks and undercurrent of gaiety. That's more like it. OK, let's do a very quick run through the main points of history, some of which we'll come back to in a bit more detail in subsequent episodes. A pre-Roman city, definitely a Roman city, something called the Via Domitia, so a Roman road was built linking Spain and Italy again with Toulouse then becoming very accessible. And when the Romans left, they left a city which had Latin as its language. Law and the church was all done in Latin. And you can see Roman remains and the story of the Romans in the city if you go to the Musée Saint-Raymond, which we'll come back to in the museum episode. After the Romans left, lots of other visitors came and went, Visigoths, Muslims, the Emperor Charlemagne, and then gradually, in about the 12th century, the new flourishing of the city really got going. So by this point, very much a city which thrived on its own local culture, a city of troubadours, the wandering minstrels and their poetry, its courtly traditions, the time when the big churches and monasteries began to be built, when more and more pilgrims were arriving, bringing with them trade, and the University of Toulouse, founded in 1229. 13th century, pretty violent. Power of the Catholic Church was more or less overwhelming, but there were other religions rising, so another Christian group called the Cathars, who were absolutely not liked by the Catholics, but who were tolerated in cities like Toulouse and Carcassonne, which led to all kinds of violence. Crusades, the Pope sent troops to get rid of the Cathars, so it's a century of sieges and inquisitions. I don't think the 14th century was much better. Hundred Years' War, the Black Death. France gradually became unified, which meant that Toulouse lost its independence and became ruled under the French crown. But in some ways, in the mid-15th century, was the absolute heyday of the city. This was when the road industry grew up. People worked out how to make a blue dye from the plant called Pastel, which was very popular in huge demand. They started selling it, they started exporting it, and two or three generations of Toulousain got very rich on it, and that's when they built the Maison Particulier. After that, more wars of religion, Catholics and Protestants usually, leading, for example, to an incident in 1632 when the Protestant royal governor, Henri de Montmorency, had led a revolt against the Catholics and paid for it by being beheaded, actually at the Capitole. More about that in a later episode. In the 1660s saw the beginning of the building of the Canal du Midi, this work actually started in Toulouse and moved in both directions then towards the Atlantic and the Mediterranean, eventually joining the two. It took 14 years to build, but it brought massive prosperity to Toulouse. And that situation remained the same really into the middle of the 19th century, when it was superseded by the railways. It fell into disuse rather, but in fact, more recently, it's been revived as a tourist attraction. If you fancy going on a canal boat down the Canal du Midi, you can certainly do that. Visitors in the 19th century included the Duke of Wellington with his troops. He was on the way to Spain and Portugal for the Peninsular War. The 19th century also saw growth of industry, as in so many other places in Western Europe, and the founding of some of the big museums. In the 20th century, 
beginning of Toulouse really as a technical city it is today. So it took part in the beginning of the new aeroplane industry. The Pierre-Georges Latécoère factory was set up. Just after the end of World War One. the air postal links set off from Toulouse, rickety little aeroplanes flying from Toulouse to Africa and South America. In World War Two, Toulouse was very much a centre of resistance during the German occupation. Definitely more about that in a subsequent episode. OK, so the modern city. What are the themes? What, are, what can we say about it? One of the French books I read, Une petite histoire de Toulouse, a little history of Toulouse, was very much stressing the fact that Toulouse is a city of three colours, and they would be rose, pink, bleu, blue, and violet, violet. Rose, obviously, for the buildings. Bleu, because of the pastel on which it founded its wealth. And violet, for the little flower that is one of the city's emblems, believed perhaps to have come from Italy in the 19th century. So popular that eventually a flower market dedicated just to violets was set up. And today, you can find shops in the city centre with names like La Maison de la Violette, where you can buy sweets and alcohol and toiletries, all violet in flavour. So, the city of Les Trois Couleurs. It's also very much a city of Occitan culture. You might notice bilingual street signs. You might even hear metro announcements in Occitan, although it's not a language that's spoken much out and about in daily life. It was the original language of the area, promoted by the troubadours. They wrote in the Occitan language and they set up something called the Jacques Floral, which was known colloquially as the Poetry Olympics, so a competition to promote their own language. The language gave its name to the region. The word for yes in this language is Oc, and so the Languedoc region is the region where the long, the tongue, of Oc is spoken. It began to die out in the early 16th century when Toulouse began to be ruled by the French king, he decreed that only the language from the north should be used. But there was a revival in the 19th century. There was a poet, one Frédéric Mistral, who actually wrote in the language and won the Nobel Prize. And then through the 20th century, various moves were made. There was an Escola Occitana, so an Occitan school, for example, set up. It became an official language as far as education in the city goes. And I believe from 2006, it actually became compulsory for it to be taught, at least the rudiments of, in the schools. Today, there are about two million speakers of Occitan, and you can read books and go to theatre performances or concerts or festivals, all revolving around the language. It sort of came into its own a little bit in 2016, when the new regions were founded. A super region was created down here in the southwest. A public vote was held, what should they call this region? And the idea that one was Occitanie. So there. Since then, that's what it's been called, Toulouse being the capital. One last place where you'll see Occitan culture is in the Croix Occitan, the Occitan Cross, another symbol of the region. And the best place to look for that is carved into the cobblestones of the Place du Capitole. I think you'd have to say that religion always played a big part in the region. It's turbulent history, I've already alluded to it full of churches, big churches like the Basilique du Saint-Sernin and the Couvent des Jacobins, a host of smaller ones, and also many monastic orders. I got a leaflet from the tourist office called the Autre Religieux de Toulouse, Religious Orders in Toulouse, and it lists no fewer than ten, some of which are the well-known ones, like the Augustin and the Benedictin, and some lesser-known ones, to me at least, with titles like Les Cordeliers or Les Sœurs de la Compassion, the Sisters of Compassion. 
I think you'd have to say too that it's a city where education has always been very important. The University of Toulouse was founded in 1229 and its twin aims were pour instruire, to teach, and pour rétablir l'orthodoxie, to re-establish orthodoxy. I think that means Catholicism really. So education very much linked to the religious importance of the city. The first two faculties were theology and law, the place where numerous churchmen, three popes no less, and any number of cardinals did their studying. But gradually it moved away from being a centre just for religious instruction and became a place of intellectual activity in a much wider sense, a place where people came from far and wide to study the classics, for example. A slightly unusual university in that they allowed Protestants to study there, which many other universities in France didn't. They didn't always have a super easy time. I saw incidents where they were made to renounce their erreurs, the errors of their ways, in public. At least they were admitted. And education in Toulouse really just grew and grew until today it's France's second university city with more than 100,000 students. I think if you go in term time, you'll certainly notice that. Medicine will be another theme, dating right back from the pilgrims' times when it was known that you could stop off in Toulouse for rest and respite and that if you weren't well, the monks would look after you. One of the university's other early faculties was medicine and today it's the seat of a huge institution called the Oncopole, which is for cancer research and a leading cancer hospital. Technology, also important, we talked about early aviation in the city. It's, of course, the city of Airbus today and of space technology. All of these things have spawned lots of companies using the technology that's been designed there. You'd have to say, too, it's very much a city known for its cultural mix. Again, visitors in the pilgrim times maybe setting the scene. I saw it described as une ville de passage, a city that you pass through, although, in fact, many groups also came and stayed. The Petite Histoire de Toulouse describes it as un melting pot culturel, that wonderful mix of English and French, the cultural melting pot. It's also one of the most Spanish of the French cities, not just because it's quite close to the Spanish border, but also for reasons like, for example, during the Spanish Civil War, a wave of refugees came to Toulouse, about 20,000 I think actually settled, and so it's had a sort of Spanish flavour ever since. I've seen references to la convivienza toulousaine, which I think convivienza must be a Spanish word. Conviviality, presumably. A city of protest and resistance, I think you could say. In medieval times, Toulouse refused to banish the Cathars. It let them carry on living in the city, even though they knew that was very risky. It's a city which accepted Spanish refugees at the time of the Civil War. It's a city which, during World War II, was an absolute centre for the resistance network and from which Jews and allied pilots and all sorts of other people were hidden in safe houses and spirited across the border to Spain in the hope that they would make it back home. So a city of defiance. I've seen it described as une ville contestataire, so an argumentative city. You tell them what to do and they promptly say, no, we might think better about that. It's also a city with quite a left-wing reputation place where in the 19th century there were huge strikes in the tobacco factories, for example. A place where the 1968 student revolution was taken very seriously. The hometown of the socialist Jean Jaurès, you might have seen his name somewhere. I think there were Paris metro station named after him and roads in many French cities. He was the president of the council here in Toulouse and a lecturer at the university before he eventually became leader of the French Socialist Party. 
and as well as being by and large for the left, it's often a city where there are fierce anti-right protests. So, for example, when the, the National Front leader Jean-Marie Le Pen came here during Euro elections, that went down spectacularly badly. Definitely a city famed for its gastronomy. It's cassoulet, its signature dish, known worldwide, but lots of other things too. Mainly meat products, it has to be said, sausages and foie gras and confit, the place where the great debate duck versus goose rages on. Vegetables too, known for example for the local beans, the lorage beans, that are such a staple of the cassoulet, and for lots of other goodies which we'll come back to. If you ask a certain sort of Frenchman what they think of when they hear the word Toulouse, they're quite likely to say rugby. It's said, for example, that if you ask a Toulousain how big the Place du Capital is, they may well say, oh, about the size of a rugby pitch. And they have a hugely successful local team who play in red and black. Many of their players play for the national team too. Rugby's taken so seriously here that since 1929, there has been printed a newspaper dedicated actually to the sport of rugby called Le Midi Olympique. I noticed when I flew into Toulouse at the airport, one of the shops there is just chock full of red and black rugby shirts, souvenirs of all descriptions. By the way, they chose red and black, it is said, because they were the original colours worn by the capital, the, the rulers of the city. So even in rugby, tradition goes way back. And lastly, I think you'd have to say it is a city which lives at least partly on tourism. And why not? There's sun, there's good food, there's beautiful architecture, there are laid-back vibes, lots of culture. France's second opera house, for example. Occitan culture. There's a wonderful group called Les Fabulous Troubadours, a blend of traditional and modern music. It's the site of two UNESCO World Heritage Sites. That would be the Canal du Midi, and the Basilique Saint-Sernin, which is actually part of the site known as the Pilgrim's Route. Actually, if you count Carcassonne, which isn't very far away, then that would be three World Heritage Sites. And so there really is much to enjoy. So just to finish then, a rundown of the proposed nine episodes, this being the first one, so eight more. The next episode, number two, I'm going to call Churches and Troubadours, and going to cover the medieval period in the city and look at buildings like the Basilique Saint-Sernin. We need to find out why the Bishop of Toulouse was dragged through the streets tied to a bull. We need to go to the Couvent des Jacobins, the other massive church, and find out about the Inquisition, and also why there's a saint buried there who never actually visited the city. We'll have a look at the wars between the Cathars and the Catholics, which led to that dreadful crusade where the instructions to the crusaders were, kill them all. And alongside that, let's have a look at the troubadour, look at some of their poetry and find out more about the Jacques Floral. Episode 3 then is going to centre around the Capitole, best known building in the city of course. We'll have a little look at the history and a look inside, find out some of the paintings that you can see there which tell the story of Toulouse and who's got a bust in there. I can give you advance info that two of people would be the mathematician Fermat, very linked to the city of Toulouse. You may or may not have heard of that famous book, Fermat's Last Theorem. And a second bust is of Pierre-Paul Riquet, the engineer who built the Canal du Midi. So it's a place where you can find out more about the history of the city. I'm going to devote episode four to La Résistance. That has its own museum, full of documents and photographs and memorabilia to pay tribute to the people who did all they could to work against the German occupation of the city in the 1940s. We really mustn't forget that story. 
Episode 5, I'm going to call From Road to Outer Space, and I'm going to use it to give a quick roundup of nine different museums in the city, all of which give something of the history of Toulouse. So we'll go to places like the Terre de Pastel, where you can find out more about Wode and the wealth that it led to. At the other end of the time scale, there's La Cité de l'Espace, Space City, in between other places where you can learn the story of the love-struck Genoese soldier who's said to have brought the first violets to the city, find out more about Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, the pilot who flew the night mail to South America in the 1920s and then turned novelist and wrote about it, and so on and so forth. Episode 6 will be Art and Architecture. We'll have a closer look at the Hôtel Particulier and a tour of the art galleries where you can find everything from Roman remains to cutting-edge photography taking in medieval sculpture, golden age paintings, even lots of oriental treasures, because one citizen of Toulouse went to travelling, collected all kinds of goodies in the Far East, and then opened a museum here in Toulouse to show them all off. Episode 7 will be time for an idyllic escape from city centre Toulouse. We'll potter up the Canal du Midi in both directions from the city, find out how this amazing structure was built, It opened in 1681 and in the UNESCO World Heritage Citation it's referred to as Europe's biggest public works project since the fall of the Roman Empire. So we'll have a look at the history but also I think we want to listen to some reminiscences of writers who've sailed up and down it, one of whom described it as motoring through an impressionist painting. And another quote which I enjoyed and gives the flavour of the region a little bit talks about, quote, drifting lazily through a land of sunflowers, wheat fields, vineyards, ancient cities, crumbling ruins wrapped in mystery. Episode 8, another couple of excursions, one to Carcassonne and one to the little town of Albi, both very close and both easily reached by public transport. In Carcassonne, of course, there's the medieval citadel, which you've probably seen silhouetted against the skyline on a million postcards. And in Albi, The main thing to see there is the Musée Toulouse-Lautrec, it being the home city of Toulouse-Lautrec, and home to a museum which has got more than 200 of his paintings and posters and another couple of hundred of his drawings. And then to finish off episode 9, Gastronomie, we'll see how far we can get to unravelling the highly secret recipe for cassoulet, hear about other foods, have a look at the wine trade, and enjoy the writing of a few writers who lingered in the Languedoc and wrote about the food they enjoyed there. A delicious morsel here, a gargantuan feast there. Okay, so that's the plan. I hope that you will enjoy getting to know Toulouse much better and finding out why it's a city that's attracted so much praise and adulation over the centuries. I'll just finish with a quotation from the 4th century poet, one Ozon, who waxed very eloquent about this famous city which nestles between La Neige des Pyrénées, the snow of the Pyrenees, and Les Pins des Cévennes, the pine trees of the Cévennes, and which was home to a mixture of what he called Les Tribus Aquitaines, the Aquitaine tribes, and La Nation Ibère, the Spanish nation. So taken was he with Toulouse that he ended his work by writing Jamais je ne tairai ton nom, Toulouse. I will never stop talking about your name, Toulouse. I will eventually stop talking, but before I do, I'll be delivering the nine episodes as outlined, taking you with me to that lovely southern French city. For the moment then, I'm going to thank you very much for listening. Merci. I'm going to sign off in the hope that you will indeed be joining me next week 
for episode two of City Breaks to Lose. Meanwhile, though, goodbye in French. Au revoir. <laughs>